You're listening to Clock Radio Speakers with Armand and Doc. This week's episode is split into two sides. This is Side A. What's going on, everybody? Welcome to another episode of Clock Radio Speakers. I'm your host, Armand. You can follow me on Twitter at ArmandWakeUp, A-R-M-O-N-D, wake up, all one word. ClockRadioSpeakers.com is powered by Tumblr. We are on Facebook, Facebook.com slash ClockRadioSpeakers. We are on SoundCloud, SoundCloud.com slash ClockRadioSpeakers. We are on iTunes. We are on Stitcher. We are on 4th District. And you can, our favorite method of communication is through Twitter. And that is at CRS Podcast. Also, you can use the hashtag ClockRadioSpeakers. Doc is in the building. Holla at your boy. Early. No. Um... What's going on, everybody? Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at Doc underscore Beats S not a Z. And Ar- Armand, this is not just another episode of Clock Radio. I'm Speakers. glad you said that because when I said it, I meant to clean that up. So thank you, co-host. I appreciate that. So this week we have a, a very special guest on Clock Radio Speakers, uh, Taylor Gray. Uh, what's going on, man? How y'all feeling, man? Just happy to be here. Um, so Taylor, uh, wh- Taylor, why are you on the show? Did you just like decide to randomly show up this week, or I hear you might have something coming out? Oh no, I just decided. To, to jump on with y'all. No, people, let's clear it up. I, I have an album coming out in two days, three days, so I've agreed to, to take part in an experimental project with uh, <laughs> Armand and Dot. <laughs> yeah, we are going to review Taylor's album with Taylor on the show, and this is a Clock Radio Speakers first, so your favorite rapper wasn't trying to do this. <laughs> But, Taylor, but my man Taylor stepped in the ring and uh, and decided he wanted to partake. So for one, I commend you for that. So appreciate you for coming on for that. That's this this is gonna be really really interesting. So Armando, I feel like you well, just I feel like you just slipped on the blood red Suge Knight jacket at the Source Awards as you said that. I mean, you know, <laughs> yo, where's da- where's uh, where's Danny Boy? That's all I need. I just need Danny Boy. I'd just like to take this time to welcome everybody to the underground where we have nothing to lose. So Word. That's, that's, that's what we do. Word. Absolutely. So Absolutely. So before we get to Taylor's album, which is called The Mocker and the Monarch, and before we talk about talk with him about what's, what it's about, we're going to go track by track because that's what we do on Clack Radio Speakers. Before we get there, we've actually we got some other, some other hippity-hoppity things to talk about, Armand. <laughs> yes, we do. Y- yes, your we man... Do. Your man, Ricky Ross. Rosé! <laughs> yes. Um, has decided to come out with an album. Just woke up one morning and said, you know what? He woke up early this morning. Feeling a new yep. light. Feeling a new side of my life. The sun was shining and we were on his mind. So he's decided that uh, his album, and he briefly uh, announced the title a long time ago called Black Dollar. And just all of a sudden, Sunday or Monday, he's like, hey, um... New song tomorrow, new song today. Album comes out Thursday. Um, and the first record was a record called Foreclosures, produced by Justice League. Mm-hmm. And today he put out a record called uh, Money Dance, featuring your boy Terrius. Terrius Nash. AKA The Dream, produced by Jake One. Jake One, Jake Uno. Now, Doc, did you hear these records? I did. And what do you think? I didn't really need a seven and a half minute record from from ross and Terius over a jake one beat that never changes um it was okay it would have been better at like three minutes um it was it was cool like if that's an album track i'm i'm really good it's not it's not a single it's not 
it's it's not on par with his best with his best work over the past like year and a half. But it's a cool well, record. Well, here's my question though, mm-hmm. and Taylor and Taylor, you can chime in as well. When somebody's announcing that they're putting out an album, the way music is going nowadays, do you even release the single first? Do you just are these just like, hey, I'm putting out a song or I'm putting out an album songs or are these that could possibly turn into these could go to radio depending on the public's response or are these just, hey, these records are dope. These are these are records and producers and and not even concepts because Ross rapping about financial responsibility is incredible to me. Um, But, you know, is this where we are in 2015 where, you know, as an artist. You your first your first leak your second leak from your album is it is it the single or are these just songs? Yeah, I, I think that everything has changed, and I guess what the expectation will be is still buffering. If I could use that kind of an analogy, people are just being creative and trying to come up with something that works for them, because right now it's just a free for all for every for every artist for themselves and. Mm. From Ross's perspective, I guess I'm, I'm not too, uh, you know, I'll say enthused about this from him because, I mean, we just got kind of a, a half-hearted album from him last year. And, you know, I, I just think that he's got some ground to cover to build some credibility back up with those who would be his fans. So him just dropping a flurry of, of I guess, some sort of reminder that he has some level of skill to me doesn't, you know, it doesn't necessarily excite me. I mean, there are major projects this year. So we'll see. The The interesting thing is that it seems like the, the bigger concern has been Rick Ross, the brand, um, where, you know, these two records are more reminiscent of uh, Deeper Than Rap, Albert Anastasia, more so than your BMFs and, you know, sort of this, the, the wave of him recreating BMF over like a three or four year period, you know, like he's, he's rapidly rapping on both of these records. Mm-hmm. Right. Am, am I, am I, am I correct in saying that doc? Uh, yeah, he, he's, he go, he's really trying to get into that 2010 Rick Ross flow. Um, this is the, uh, it's also the Lord knows flow. It's the, uh, it's when, when Ross is, is like, Hey, I can be a rapper. Um, and when I'm not, I'm not yelling over, over hi-hats, which is, you know, it's one of the, the sounds that Ross has. Um, was <laughs> It's true. Oh, uh, like, what's interesting to me, though, is, so, you know, it used to be that we would have a long buildup with what evolved into, like, the street single and then the single and sometimes the follow-up single before you had the album. And there was, the theory was, you, you know, if you were signed to a major label, they would put the whole building behind it. They would, like, you know, all the people, that's such an inside inside phrase like everybody who worked like would promote it and you get everybody excited and it was this whole like thing with the hope that you get this huge marketing machine revved up and they go out and sell your record then we sort of had the the trendiness of like the i'm dropping my album out of nowhere what i'm not sure if it works we've seen a couple examples of this now is not out of you don't drop it out of nowhere as like this fully conceived project but instead you're giving extremely short notice right so like dre did it with compton um, you could say that uh, D'Angelo did it with Black Messiah, but that was a yep. really short notice. That yeah. was like we heard about it on like a Friday, really, and then um, you know we had it on Sunday night. Yep. Um, I, so you know, 
Armand and Taylor, you know, Taylor obviously putting a project out this week. Armand has a project coming up in the future. I, I'm here. I'm curious to hear your thoughts on this sort of. Does this in between? You know, what do you guys think about this sort of in between model where it's not quite a surprise, but it's not quite a full fledged promo cycle? Taylor, go ahead. Yeah, I just think I just think it, it depends on what kind of artist is trying to pull it off. Um, you know, if you know your following, because right now I think we're we're at a, a point where you can't just ride the machine into a success. I guess a success story. Um, now more than ever, I think you have to know your audience and what's going to be successful for you subjectively. So, you know, depending on what the expectations are going to be for a Ross album in 2015, then you kind of have to play to your strengths. You have to just kind of know who's going to ride with you, no matter what you decide to do. So the in-between model, I think, you know, to me, that's that's still kind of a, a cue to the past to where, um, you know, there's an overemphasis on strategy. Mm. But... I think everybody is just trying to figure out how they're going to fit in this new streaming world and how they're going to continue to be successful yeah. when when it opens up even more. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I agree. Um, knowing your audience is key. And for some people it works, you know, sort of the, the, the thing that worked to D'Angelo's strength was that, you know, we had been hearing about, you know, Black Messiah, what was called when it was called, uh, what was it called doc before? James River. Okay, so when it was called James River, that was back in 2007. Right. So it's um, and same thing with Dre. Before it was Compton, it was Detox. So we already have in our minds that, you know, it's coming soon, but that idea is lying dormant. Nobody before Monday was thinking about a Rick Ross album. He just had uh, an album. I feel like... He had two that came out last year. Right. Um, um, Mastermind and... Uh, I was just listening. Yeah, Hood Billionaire. There you go. <laughs> so... And, and it's fun. I was just listening to those this weekend. It's like if you put both of those, the best songs from both of those together, yeah, a really, really good album. Really good album. Good really good album. Good. Yeah. Um, so I guess like f- when you find a uh, when you to try to find a middle ground. Yeah, I think it's really like knowing your audience. For a lot of people, it's it's filling in the dark. It's it's throwing stuff on the wall, seeing what sticks. And that's the thing about the time that we're in right now is until something gets defined as this is the direction that music is going in, people are just going to try all sorts of things, which I think is good. But you got to be willing to take that L if it doesn't work in your favor. Yeah, I I mean, I don't know. The songs themselves were fine. Um, the, The Justice League record like is is that I, I can't figure out if that's the only type of beat they give Ross or if that's the only type of Justice League beat that Ross picks. But like, man, have we heard that? So- we have have we heard that sound before? I don't know. Feels a little. I'm not. I, so far, those two songs, I'm not excited. Yeah, but we haven't heard that sound in a while. When's the last time we heard Ross over Lush Justice League production? Now you're gonna make me go to the keyboard already. I sure am. What was it? What was it? Uh, what, dice pineapples or something? No, got, no, no, some no, no, no. Hold, I don't. Hold, hold on, hold on. I unless, have... you, unless you want to count um, one of my favorite Ross songs in recent memory, which is um, uh, the joint with Yo Gotti. What's it called? Trap, trap love, hood love, hood trap, trap love, trap in the hood, love in the hood. Yeah, something like that. One of them joints. But you know, that's introspective, dope boy music, right? You know, but are we hearing like Maybach music, sort of? You know, suedo, um, symphony sounds. 
know what I'm saying? Like, I don't, I don't, I haven't heard that from Ross in a while. So for me, it's welcome because I love that Ross. Mm. I always felt like that Ross was a little overrated. Those aren't my favorite Ross records. So those are not. Yeah, they're not. They were always good records, but like they became overwrought and overdone. They did. I mean, like, right. look at look at the. I can't speak on the second half of Maybach Music Four because I rapped <laughs> over it, and it has the greatest outro ever by L.A. Reid. It's awful, but huh? It's awful. No, the it's first not half, awful. The, that's not awful. The first, the first half first is half is yeah. It's yeah. it's overproduced. Yeah, it's Beatty McBeatmaker. That's right. It is. This is just. I can't. I have to interject with a with a a quick disclaimer. Mm-hmm. Um, Rick Ross on principle to me is just hard to ingest mm. because, and you guys have talked about this before. Um, like he's literally selling a character that he is not. Like, I mean, he's making music to speak to a community or an audience based on a created character. It's like you, you have a video game and you create a player and you know, you literally craft a story based on your, your skill level or whatnot. But that's not you. That's basically you're getting the results of whatever you can control. And I just, I can't, when I look at that and I see that that's literally your mode of, of, uh, of success and, or your imprint, your artistic imprint on the world. It's just been hard for me to attribute any sort of, I don't know, respect for that. So Rick Ross, I think on some level has skill as a rapper, but I just, for me personally, I can't get past, just that persona and the portrayal of that. And didn't he just lose like 30, 30 to 50 pounds here recently? So now he looks sick. Yeah, so it's just like, what, what, what's the next Ross that we're going to be presented with for the next five years or so? Um, are we hearing music now that represents some level of depth that will make it hard for him to, to succeed on just the, you know, the surface level um I don't know, the, the type of raps that, does, that, that don't give you cause to think very deeply. That's my diatribe. I'm done. See, to me, it's no, it, it's a difference in degree, but not in concept to what I, the music I grew up listening to, which was I knew that Ray and Ghost were not drug kingpins. Um, you know, they were small time dealers. They were immersed in that world, but they elaborated quite a bit. So for me, the jump from elaborate to fabricate isn't that big of a deal to me, right? Uh, but for some, it might be. Is that sort of, like, for you, the fact that it's a fabrication is just a step too far? Yeah, because, I mean, if you look at Ray and Ghost, you, you, you would know or at least get a sense that the environment that embraced them or that they were able to affiliate themselves with at least gave them the door to elaborate on what they're seeing. I mean, we're talking about on the other side in terms of fabrication. You're literally, you know, you're a picture of law enforcement that, you know, that that positions yourself against that community. And now you embrace it and make it your own and create a persona that basically fabricates the fact that you were ever affiliated with them. I think those are two different pendulums Mm. that, you know, I, I can't I can't reconcile a lot of times. What about you, Armand? Uh, I think sometimes when I think sometimes in our minds we will make we will make space and room sort of for for certain things to exist that in our heart of hearts we know is wrong and we know we disagree with. So, 
you know, Taylor, you're absolutely right. You know, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a fabrication. He's not really, you know, he's a police officer. Some people would say in turn, though, you know, well, the COs I know were dirty, so he was in jail, blah, 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 blah. Um, and then even just the fact that he covered it up, all that stuff. But for me, the music, when Ross is on, he's one of my favorites. So stuff like that doesn't bother me as much because I don't need a level of realism in all of my music. You know what I'm saying? Like, I don't... So for Ross, I kind of make a, I make an exception for um, where a lot of other rappers that other people will give passes for, I, I won't for other reasons. It may not be fakeness, but it may just be the level of ignorance or it may be the, the lack of, you know, lyricism and skill and other things like that. But the beats are dope or the songs are catchy and like some of that stuff I'm, I might not make room for uh, like a like a Travis Scott or something like that. But for Ross, like I make I make room for it. It doesn't it doesn't bother me as much, but I get when other people take that stance, so I don't really argue it. And and yet Travis Scott <clears throat> yeah, is making Travis, uh is making r- way more creative music right now than Rick Ross is. But um, listen, we should, we should listen, listen, listen. We should we should save this when we have actual projects, an actual project from us to talk about. Right, so comes out this week. We should definitely talk about it next week. Um, and I'm telling you, I, I, I'm gonna. Even if you won't listen to Travis Scott, I will talk about it because um, I think it's interesting right enough ahead. to talk about it. I will not listen to the guy who is very much so responsible <laughs> for the demise of Kanye West. Not doing it. Oh, God. You... Not, do- <sighs> not I need, doing it. I need to get, like, a Clock Radio Speakers branded soapbox and ship it to you. You can just stand up there <laughs> and you can just rail against the fall of Kanye West. Um, not the fall of Kanye West. Just, just Jesus. That's all. Uh, That's anyway. all. Anyway, anyway, um, you, you want to move it? You want to move into you know the movement that's moving? Is is there any other uh, any other things going on before we talk about uh, Mr. Gray's now, project? I mean, there's a few things, but again, we can save all this for next week. You know, the the I don't think anything really. I, I kind of want to speak to the Macklemore at the VMAs thing, just but I mean that can wait because no, I still haven't I mean, seen the video. I, I, the only thing I want to say, I didn't, I didn't watch the VMAs. I literally watched the VMAs through Twitter. It was amazing. Um, <laughs> but I saw people, you know, coming at Macklemore and saying that he's a culture vulture. But, I mean, Macklemore put The Treacherous Three on music television in prime time. Like, you, your favorite rapper's not doing that. Right. But it's funny because, you know, when Eminem became the first sort of I don't want to say the first white rapper to be respected because that's that's a diss to uh, say the dudes in third base, right? But yeah, definitely third base was the first, right? Yeah. But the first to break through on a mainstream level, yeah, who wasn't considered a joke, yeah, he was accused of being a culture vulture. He what was. Pe- what people had in mind then was that okay, what happened with rock is going to happen all over again. Yeah. Macklemore is by far the closest to what happened to rock happening all over again because you can I don't want, I don't know if it's if it's him be, I don't want to use the phrase culture vulture I think that's a loaded phrase what I will say is that Macklemore is he is definitely merging the sort of it's weird like that that's, first of all that song is bizarre because there's like three different parts to it but it's basically he is he's like rapping like a like a rapidy rapper. He's 
got the treacherous three on it, but then there's a massive pop hook on it to, to sell it to the masses. Like when people had in their heads, like what, like this very sort of, I don't want to say old fashioned, but this sort of horror story of what's going to happen when, when, when they, when, when they start getting, when, when, when white rappers are starting to be accepted by, by, by listeners, this is kind of what they had in mind. I'm not saying it's good or bad. It's just to say that what Macklemore and really what Ryan Lewis is doing, because without Ryan Lewis, nobody would care about Macklemore. Sorry, Macklemore. Like, uh, Ryan Lewis is the one behind the beats. He's the one behind getting those people on the hooks. Like, that song Downtown is a, is a disgrace. And to, I, say, and to say, like, and, to, and for you to say, like, that no other rappers are putting him up there, it, to me, it's, he just comes, Macklemore just comes across as, like, so fake. As, like, look at me, I'm authentic. Like, might just put the backpack on too. Tighten the Jansport straps. Get your triple five stole out. Like that's he feels like that guy. And to me, like with, with him getting the treacherous three in the song, he's just doing that even more. It's not about the treacherous three. If it was, then when you watch the video on YouTube, they would have been credited right up front. They weren't. So like, I don't know. I I don't feel like he is paying homage in in that sort of way. Uh, he is uh, he is Macklemore. Yeesh, Taylor. <laughs> um, <clears throat> I didn't see that, but I, I, I have similar feelings about Macklemore. Um, yeah, I didn't watch the, the awards last night, but I saw some of the discussion. I just, I don't know. I, I, I think I'm still trying to give him a fair shake just as far as a, a total presentation. But, you know, at least what I'm seeing so far is um, the success of someone who literally can't, I don't know, I can't distinguish himself outside of the legacy that he's coming from. Um, and, you know, it's, it's now, it's a now version of it, you know, where he's been able to, I guess, engulf social issues or, you know, basically capture the hearts of, of uh, some sort of social reaction to whatever he represents at the time. But it doesn't feel authentic. It doesn't feel like it has depth to me. And it just, you know, kind of feels like he has the privilege of the platform because of what he represents. So, you know, I'm I'm still trying to give him a fair shake. So even though it may sound like a harsh critique or just kind of saying I'm not buying it at this point, uh, I, I think there's more to be seen. Yeah, uh, don't worry. After what I said, nothing's that harsh. I mean, really what it boils down to is like, he, you know how you can just tell innately when somebody's trying too hard? Like there's just something that like human beings can yeah. pick up on immediately. Macklemore is trying too hard to be authentic, quote unquote. Yeah, I agree. I agree. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Armand. I don't, I don't know if that silence indicates that you're, you're <laughs> nah. offended right now. <laughs> no, nah, not at all. I mean, like, I, I was... I mean, I've been listening to Macklemore for a while. Like, I, you know, I, I usually, I like to catch people a little early. So, you know, when Macklemore was rap, rapping about Jordan 3s and um, uh, King Griffey Jr. and his addiction and, you know, like, I guess like seeing that, all of a sudden you get mainstream, you get these other eyes on you to kind of catch you late. It's, to me, it's almost sometimes we, as fans, we, we, catch a movie in the, we catch a movie in the middle of it. And we don't watch the beginning and it gives us and it doesn't give us the context that we need. So we, you know, we see 45 minutes and we make our own judgment. So, you know, I, mm, I I'm I'm going to be optimistic about Macklemore because um, 
He's not. I mean, I've seen culture vultures in my day. And I don't believe that culture vultures should be tied to a race. Mm. You know, I've seen like going back and watching a lot of those West Coast hip hop videos like you saw what NWA was doing and just the level of CB4 that exists to follow them. It was a lot of people from nowhere near Compton, nowhere near, quote unquote, the hood, but they were portraying themselves like gangster rappers. And you can just, like Doc said, you can just tell. So, you know, Macklemore doesn't get a fair, and I'm not saying this is Doc's perspective, but, you know, I see a lot of people not give Macklemore a fair shake. Just immediately, he's white, he's a culture vulture. And I'm like, that's not, that's not the case at all. So, but... Yeah, you know. I, I just said, like, I I think that there is more to be seen, and I don't know, like, I mean, if you followed him from the beginning, would you say that there was a shift in his approach to that? I mean, like, if he responding to the stereotype he's already being given, because mm-hmm. even though we may want to say he shouldn't just have to do with race, like, historically, he's stepping into a legacy that's already going to give him that criticism. True. And, True. And he's going to have to, like, aggressively, I guess, fight against that if he wants to distinguish himself. Yep. And, and I, I don't really see him maybe fighting that war. Maybe he doesn't feel like he has to. But I don't know. Like, to me, Eminem, he fought that war. And he won, in my opinion. You know, I think that he... He he established himself as someone who wasn't to be trifled with, and put in in that category of of rapping dalmatians, if you will. So, <laughs> uh, yeah, because M was doing the M was doing the things that garnered respect amongst the MCs. So he was jumping in ciphers, and you know he was doing a lot of rapidy rap things, and it didn't come off contrived because that was his story from jump. Uh, I think Macklemore. I think he's still eating crud from the the Kendrick fallout. No, I I, I think that the, there's a huge difference, which is Macklemore makes music that is way more unabashedly pop music. Yeah. Right. It's not to say that M didn't make incredibly successful records or that his records didn't cross over. The difference is M's re- right. No, no. You, I mean. You, you have <laughs> so to, we're just gonna ignore without me and the real Slim Shady. They are nowhere near. When I, I mean, if you think of pop, I mean, like really, the Ryan Lewis, Ryan Lewis's contribution to what he does with Macklemore is so understated, and yet it's so key to their success. It's not just, you know, it's not just that Macklemore is rapping, and then there's like some generic hook or whatever that comes in. Like those songs are all about the hooks. The beats are constructed in a way that they are. That it is pop. Mu- it is pop music that is very hip hop flavored, as opposed to hip-hop flavored pop do you know i I, I might have said that backwards but to me like m was always like the music that m puts out was hip-hop reaching up in some cases reaching up a little too far because it got a little corny right and while i have no uh, well i have no doubt that macklemore actually obviously dude can rap and what i mean by that is he can put like words together in a way that sounds like rapping i actually don't (laughs) he is um that he, I don't think he's, I don't, right. I don't think he's particularly good at it. Um, he, and that's weird because it's not like he has a flow problem. He has the opposite. He's flowing, and yet I really could absolutely care less about it. Um, but 
at least as it's currently constructed, the Macklemore and Ryan Lewis like joint venture that comes from a maybe not totally a pop place, but certainly more where pop and hip hop are on even footing, and then well, they go from there. I, and we can we can sort of delve into Taylor's album on this note because you you talked about artists reaching up, like hmm. you know, is it a could because if you if you watch Thrift Shop right and you compare it to other videos and other songs, if you watch his videos. Prior to that, it's not a reach. He's still making that type of uh, conceptual music. It was just a little faster and it had a better hook. So maybe the idea is, well, you know, we have this situation. Who, who, what are they? What is, what is that with Universal? Is that, is that what they have the, the little situation it's with? It's either Warner Universal. I can't remember. Yeah, basically where they have a major doing distribution for them, but that's it. Yeah. So, you know, it's a, hey, we have an opportunity to we have a we have a window of opportunity, you know. So now let's try and stretch a little bit further and let's see what we can do. Let's see if we let's see if we can cross over and go pop, because I think the elephant in the room is that Macklemore and Ryan Lewis don't know that they're white. And oh, no, they do. Yeah, exactly. No, no. You really need to watch and listen to watch watch the regular video for downtown, and you will completely understand. See, and and that's I'm I'm speaking up until because I I what um I'm I'm speaking up until their last album. So I haven't seen anything. I heard the song with I was about to call him Ben Vereen. What's the dude's name? (laughs) Ed 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 Sheeran. Ed Sheeran. Okay, that's okay. Yeah, that song's whatever, but. If this is like the single single, I haven't heard it yet. So, you know, maybe we need to save this conversation for right. next week because I have not heard the song or seen the video. I've seen like little clips on Instagram, but I have not taken in the whole thing. So you man, you man, Ken Griffey looks real old. Don't do that. <laughs> it's really like it was startling when he Don't pops up that. on the screen. Don't do that. Oh, that's Don't, do that. Don't yeah. do that. Listen, the goat <laughs> will live forever. He's no, he's hmm. still 25. He still plays yeah. for the Mariners. Yeah. He still has the goat baseball cleats, the yeah. goat swing. Yeah. yeah. And you're still playing his game on Super Nintendo. Absolutely. Yeah. I'm absolutely That's playing right. Winnie Run. Jeez. <sighs> All right. Let's let's transition, man. All right. So what so so Mr. Gray, um, your album The Mocker and the Mo- and the Monarch comes out uh, September third. Um, but this is not, you were not going with the strategy of surprise release. People have known about this for a little while, right? Yep. For about a, about a month. Yep. About a month. How long, like, so for you, when did you start in your mind thinking I'm putting something together for this project? As far as sharing it with everybody? No, I mean like, starting create. yeah, like when did, like how far back did you start to create this stuff? Because you've done other uh, stuff. You've done, you've done other stuff in between your last official project. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, officially started to create in April. Okay. Yeah. Um, and then, so you officially started creating April. Like, w- roughly, when did you realize? All right, I'm gonna have something for, you know, back to school time for last week of August, early September, whenever you had in your mind. Like, when did you realize I finally got something? Um, probably early June. Okay. So yeah, I mean I the creative process for me is, is kind of accelerated. Like I, I had been trying to stay sharp just by putting out music, um, probably for the past year, year and a half now. Um, but an album was always in sight. Uh, I just wanted to kind of be intentional about creating space to, to, um, to actually,
actually work through a concept and and make sure it was consistent and had some harmony to it. Um, but once I was able to get in that vein, it didn't take very long um, making the, the music itself and then kind of tailoring the concept to, to the overall point I wanted to, to communicate. No pun intended. Um, here's my question, though. Um, so was the only intent for those Lucy, so we're talking progress we're talking sing about it we're talking doing it well we're talking the morning like you put out let me see you put out a lot of records in a year where uh-huh. you could have packaged those up threw them on Bandcamp, threw them on i mean you did put them on soundcloud but put them on soundcloud as one collective project um was the goal in that just to stay sharp or was it while you were working on the album you finished this record and you said, well, this is a dope record, but it doesn't fit the concept of the album or I don't want to clear this sample or whatever it may be. Let me just put this out for free. Yeah, that only happened with one song and that was the most recent song I released for free, um, Sing About It. And it was it was simply due to the sample clearance. And, you know, I thought it felt the, uh, it felt like it fit the album concept and, pretty much the, the creative energy around it seemed like it could have found somewhere in the sequencing. But the other songs prior to that, those were just for the moment songs. They had nothing to do with an album or anything like that. They were a moment in time, the creative space that I wanted to use specifically to try to, to get better at writing and or see what the, um, the production gave me. And also, you know, it afforded me the opportunity to work with some producers that I think have have some tremendous upside and and uh, build some relationship there. So it was kind of like a win win and all uh, all creative fronts for me. Gotcha. So you talked before about you specifically talked before like it was ten minutes ago, like three minutes ago. You had mentioned that you specifically wanted to have space for an album with a concept. So it's called the Mocker and the Monarch. So. If you want to leave some surprise for when people actually hear it, that's fine. But overall, what, why that title and what and what for you? What is the point of having this album? Yeah, yeah. Um, I think it's an interesting segue from the discussions we were just having about uh, Rick Ross and um, Macklemore, mm. and that the concept itself kind of lends to this idea of you know who you are versus who you portray yourself to be, and the picture is you looking at yourself or an image of yourself in the mirror and making a decision that uh, making a decision to either be an imitation of your ideal self that you present to other people, or you actually look at the image in the mirror for what it is, accept that reality and allow it to shape uh, what you present to other people. So uh, it's, it's kind of like that, that war of, uh, identifying yourself as someone that you believe that people accept you to be uh, versus being secure enough in, in who you are and allowing people to, to engage you on a real level and understand where that comes from. So I, I, I hope to try to, to give listeners an opportunity to wrestle through that dichotomy, you know, whether it's just possibilities of, uh, of something that associates itself with you as a person or if you're just hearing that from my perspective and how I'm wrestling through that. Yeah, you are, and not to jump ahead, but I think one of the most glaring features of the album 
is the fact that your perspective is always challenging something. So whether you are challenging your perspective, your perspective, your own perspective to grow or the perspective of the listener, there's never sort of a, 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 a wasted moment or, you know, it's always sort of very intention. It's very intentional to engage and push the listener forward where a lot of a lot of hip hop doesn't know how to engage or uh, it doesn't know how to get its listener to respond beyond put your hands up. You know, there's really some real deep internal, you know, maybe I am thinking wrong about this or, you know, Hey, wait a minute. That is kind of funky. Or I remember when I did that and I might not have handled that the best way. So, you know, I think that's great. Yeah. Yeah. There's, there's, there's a, a moral response, you know, that probably you, you get, from listening to a lot of my of my music and, and my perspective, um, it's <laughs> maybe heavy-handedly saying you are wrong, you know, or you know maybe it's it's kind of just making you think twice about something you, you thought you were sure about, um, which you know is fine. And, and also in the same token, kind of want to communicate, you know, if not in the album, just maybe explicitly, but for myself, is that I don't think it's inherently wrong to have get your hands up music or have a good time or lay your hair down and and just, you know, enjoy the fact that you can enjoy music. Mm. Um, you know, I don't necessarily stand against that. It's just not the way I'm wired. You know, I'm, I, I listen to thinking music. Uh, I think that my direct experience with hip-hop that most stuck with me was the era of music that made me, I guess, uncover the layers of what the artist was trying to say. So that ref- that's reflected on the type of music I enjoy. So it's obviously going to have an effect on the music that I create. Gotcha. Yeah, I, I was going to say, I mean, we're going to talk about each individual track, but overall, um, this is definitely a, a, a... Armand has a theory about um, albums are for certain times a year. This is definitely mm-hmm. a, a colder weather album. Yes, it is. Um and so I was gonna. I'm glad our mind sort of got got you to get to, you know to say what you just said because I was one of my questions was overall like this is definitely you know this is not a um, a poppy like turn up like you know um, it's definitely introspective music and it sounds like that was exactly the point. <laughs> and moreover, yeah. what and moreover that's I mean for people who are who if if someone is listening to this and they haven't heard your music before that sort of thoughtfulness and that introspective that is sort of a key characteristic of your sound, right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm a very critical person, but that's because I'm, I'm very self-critical and the environments that I've found myself in creatively have been very critical. So, you know, if I speak strongly against something that I, you know, I don't like, or if I speak strongly in defense of something that I do like, it's just a lot of it is me being a product of my environment. So, if you listen to my music, it's going to be very introspective. It's going to maybe cause you to roll up your windows and pull over the side of the road and think instead of roll your windows down and blast it at the traffic light. You know, maybe it's both. You know, maybe you mm-hmm. just enjoy the fact that you that you agree with the message and you're hearing something that you want somebody else to hear. Um, but I don't have a problem with the fact that, you know, it's, it's 8.37 at night and you know, you have that on in the background and it kind of makes you stop and think for a second uh, about what's being said and, and maybe 
you know, allows you to be a little bit more introspective because life to me shouldn't just be fleeting. I think that it's important for us to take moments and think about how important each second is. Okay. Um, Armand, do you have any other questions before we actually really dig into the, the mm. album itself? Nah. Um, nah. Let's go ahead and let's, 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 let's do it. So, um, this is again. This is a first for, for collaborative speakers. Hopefully, this uh, this works out all right. We're gonna go track <laughs> by track here. Um, yeah. So what I'd like to do is um, is actually, if it's all right with you, have you sort of explain when we go track by track. Just have you explain, you know, wh- why you made that song, your thoughts behind it, and then Armand and I will sort of we can sort of tell you what we think about it. I guess. Um, okay. So uh, the first track is uh, Hollow Man, and it's produced by Wit. So how did that come together? Man, this was, uh, this was <laughs> to be quite honest with you, we didn't have an intro for the album. Um, we were kind of putting together how the sequencing was going to work, and, um, you know, we were trying to do some mashups and see if this worked and this worked, and, and it just wasn't working. So Whit and I just got on the phone and just said, man, it just we need something to tie everything together, at least to introduce the content of the project. So, um, you know... I, I sat on the phone with him and, and kind of talked to him about, you know, maybe what it looks like to set up. And, and he's just like, okay, let me, let me try something real quick. He comes up with the beat, which is, you know, as you'll hear later, kind of a variation of later production. And um, it gives me the opportunity to just introduce the dichotomy of the mocker and the monarch. So I'm starting out with, with Hollow Man and really the approach to uh, how I'm wrestling with both sides of the of the perspective and uh hopefully trying to just introduce that lyrically and, and give people an opportunity to prepare themselves for what they're going to hear i think one thing and we're i think this is a common theme with this album but like your your track names they're really interesting and i believe just knowing you personally they're intentional so yep. why is this called hollow man well i mean i think it's, hopefully you can hear in the song itself or in the lyrics that there's just kind of this emptiness uh, in, in trying to, to kind of grasp into the darkness and, and or try to find out where you stand uh, or what you thought you believed not panning out in the way that you think it should. Um, so, you know, you're kind of wrestling with being, you know, pissed off. You're wrestling with being confused, um, what wrestling with being uncertain, um, so, you know, Hollow Man kind of, to me, gives this impression that, um, you know, obviously you're just empty. You know, you don't really know kind of how to reconcile where you found yourself and you're, you're kind of approaching this journey from, from that starting point. It's funny that you said that this was speci- like that you didn't have an intro and that this you, you were sort of specifically trying to get something to intro the concept of the album because my, the very first like note I have on the song is that it sounds like an intro beat. Like as somebody who's a hip hop head who has produced intros for people before who like there's just some, some beats just sound like an introduction and not even knowing at that point what the whole album sound like it. It just very much feels like an intro. Um, yeah. It, it had, and after listening to the whole thing, it's very clear that it sets the mood. But um, but Armand, when you were listening to this, what were you thinking? Um, I think it, it's really interesting because to me, this album feels like two albums it feels this feels like yeah i guess it is like an intro because it feels like going up the roller coaster really really slow and you can't quite see whether you're going to go straight down are you going to like turn 
you know, which way is the roller coaster going to take you? Um, and I think it, 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 the transition into famous sort of is the, it's, I, I can't explain it without, because this album ties together for me when I listen to it. And this is like a tie as opposed to something that sits by itself. If that makes sense. Yeah, like you can't separate. You can't separate. I, I think I hear that's what you're saying. You yeah, like it, as, it, it's hard for me to say like, yo, this intro is hard because it's like, like the, <laughs> right. the, the like the intro is it's cool. But it's, it's meant to be mysterious. Exactly. So it's like, whoa, it, it's hard to judge by itself because you really don't know what you don't know what you're getting because funny with this and a lot of production on this album does not sound like the music you have put out over the last two years. So yeah. I think if anybody's expecting to hear Middle Clash Part 2 or, you know, the Sellout Part 2 or anything, any of your loose joints, any of your singles, like they, I mean, there's hints of them here and there, but largely this this pr- just production and sonically is different from whatever else is going on. So it immediately disarms, there we go, it immediately disarms the uh, the ideals and the, the, uh, the expectation of what the listener would have. And it sounds yeah. really, really cold. Yeah. Okay. Success. <laughs> yes. So track two, famous, uh, produced by Wes Pendleton, um, who's a uh-huh. friend of the show. Um, again, like a dark, moody beat, but it's not like rhythmically it's different than Hollow Man. There's a little bit more bounce to it. Um, mm-hmm. t- so talk to us about famous sort of what for you, why is this song at number two? Uh, I think it just, it comes right out with, I want people to remember the title throughout the entire album. Okay. So, you know, you hear the intro, it's, it's like you, you can listen to it for what it is or you can harken back to what the album is called. So if you, if you continue to think about this intentional theme and famous fits right within that, okay, is he talking from, you know, this dichotomy is, is in front of me? Is it the mocker or the monarch? You know, what is, what's being communicated here? Is he saying that, the mock, the monarch is a function of exposing the mocker, you know, and all the different stuff. So famous kind of points to the idea of celebrity, um, you know, or more specifically what the unspoken formula is, is to become a celebrity or, or to have a popular face to other people. So, um, you know, you're in verse one, maybe so sort of embodying it yourself. So you're speaking from a first person perspective. And uh, verse two is more of, you know, someone told you that you need to buy in to this type of, of perspective, that someone told you um, that this is the key to success. So, you know, it's kind of navigating through that. So I have a question um, because online there have been a lot of Drake comparisons with this record that mm-hmm. this sounds like some if you're reading this is too late sort of sort of vibe. Um, and then even with you explaining the concepts, this is a two part question. Like, is this like a very blatant example of the concept of the album? Are you, did you sort of like, did you pick a, did you pick that beat thinking or believing that people were going to hear it and immediately say that, oh, this sounds like a Drake record because you wanted to put them in the mindset of somebody who is extremely famous right now to sort of present that 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 argument in that perspective yeah i think there's some mystery to just leave there as far as you know what people are going to get um but i, I can definitely say that it's multi-layered 
Um, so from the from the Drake perspective, the way I look at this song is kind of like the the eerie version of of energy uh, from if you're reading this is too late. So it's kind of like the uncomfortable energy is just kind of like that was a huge song from that album, and it was like yeah, this is this is upbeat. This is you know it's short. It doesn't require much of me, and this one kind of has the tempo that you know, maybe gives you a little bit of a head nod, but the, the content doesn't allow you to just kind of displace yourself from what's being said. So in one, in uncovering a part of that and, and saying, okay, here's a layer to it, it's not just functionally the content in and of itself, it's the stylistic approach to the song. So sounding like Drake is an intentional component of that. So if you hear those, those references, if you hear that direct correlation, it's intentional. It's not something that I'm hiding from. It's not something that, you know, I'm, I'm trying to even use to my advantage. But to me, it's it's giving some additional layers to the concept of the actual song framing. Yeah, there are other, because I was going to say, there are definitely other other sort of notes of, of influence elsewhere in the, in the album. And we'll definitely we'll definitely call that out when we get there. But I, that, that's an interesting note. Um, Armand, you got anything else you want to say about Famous? Uh, not from not asking taylor or engaging the record like you know we can actually talk about the song now right yeah um did you watch the video doc no i, just, I don't know why i didn't send you the video that's my fault uh, you know i uh, could have been i could have been a responsible host and, and, and googled uh the video the the record is cool by itself but like the video makes this song the video helps this song a lot like a whole lot i really like the i like the second verse um specifically the uh, i picked up on the alliteration um uh there's there's a couple parts in that second verse where and there's actually a couple parts in this album where uh, Taylor I feel like you um you remind me a little of Lupe at times. Um, and, so oh wow okay so there's there is there an, are you an English nerd or an English were you an English major major no no I'm married okay. to one but yeah <laughs> okay <laughs> yes there there is intentional alliteration and other. Um, Glamour, yeah. yeah. So yes, um, yeah. I kind of caught up. Yeah, um, no, I like this one. I, I like this record again. The second verse, um, I, I really like that. Um, the beat, because uh, you know a lot of these, and this is not a knock, because some of my favorite records, some of my favorite albums of all time, have very consistent sounds. There is a very consistent sound to this. So what I at least appreciate is that rhythmically, that it's changing up at least so far. And like my first time through, the one note I really had was. All right, so that's two sound, two two songs in a row. Even though the first one's an intro, that are really, I mean, they're dark. You know, they are, they are not like a beat. We're not like, you know, we're not trying to make Pepsi commercials here. Like, um, you know, it's it, it's a dark sound. So, I, and it'll be interesting to see how people, if people, how people feel for that. But for me, I, I just so I just wanted to see how the album progressed at this point. Um, and I think that's why Gorgeous is an interesting choice at number three. But before we get there, Armand, is there anything else you want to say about Famous? Uh, so with your perspective on, because um, we were talking earlier about Ross and releasing singles, this was the second single that you released from the album, right? Mm-hmm. So yep. is this is this the single, quote unquote? Is this a record that we need to give to DJs and possibly spin on the radio and mix shows and stuff like that? Or was this... You know, or was the bigger concern releasing this song because you wanted to uh, put the focus on the mocker and the monarch as a concept? 
Yeah, I mean, it's interesting, Doc, mentioned Europe, uh, not Europe, uh, Lupe. I don't know how Europe entered into my mind, but yeah. <laughs> I got to get out of here. Um, so Lupe had, I think that's why, I, okay, so back to when we were having the earlier discussion, I think this this idea of singles and, you know, people putting out their, their best foot in order to sell their album and things like that, that strategy to me is, is really just in a weird place right now. Um, specifically, if I look at someone like Lupe, whose first lead out single um, was Deliver. And, and it was kind of interesting because the song itself wasn't, you know, it just wasn't like a pop record. It wasn't something that's light enough to say, oh, Lupe's back. It was like heavy. You know, so it was like, okay, so we're going to have to digest this. And, you know, really prepare ourselves for the type of album that this is going to be. I look at Famous in a similar way, where, you know, the, the album is called The Mocker and the Monarch, so it's directly tied to that. If you're going to like the song, then I would prefer that you like the song on the basis of it communicating the concept of the album. Um, making a video for it gives it accompaniment because hopefully it reinforces uh, the way that you should engage this song um, and their artistic elements to that. So I don't know if, if I can appropriately answer the question of the single um, because I don't really know what that looks like now. I think a lot of people have different opinions on what the single is based on what kind of album they're trying to give people. So I'm going to go ahead and ask this right now because it's on, it's on my mind. Are you at all concerned that there is a what's the phrase I want to use that there is I want to say a learning curve but you are this is this album is not candy coated like there is for in an ideal scenario there's a little bit of work that's being done by the listener right they're not just sort of swooping in are you concerned that that is uh, that that will impede people from enjoying the album no no I mean I think I think the way that my this is my opinion the way that you view um your ability to be successful and or garner any type of attention from a fan base perspective, it, it starts with what your expectations are. So if you understand um, who your audience base is and you're okay with that and you want to continue to embellish that, um, sure, you may win over some people or you'll just expand the type of listening base that likes this type of stuff. Um, I think a lot of times the way that people or artists view music is is you're either extremely successful or you're just a complete dud. And I think that there's a middle ground there for a lot of independent artists now who can literally make a living off of just staying true to who they are. They just may not be the banner on Apple Music. They just they may not sell out stadiums, but they may make music for a fan base that is extremely loyal and pretty much will support you as long as you stay true to what you've always represented. So I'm okay with, you know, someone saying, Oh, you don't, your, your music makes me think too much or your music doesn't give me that happy feeling or, or, you know, there's not enough trap or I don't know if I can play this in a club. I'm okay with that because there are music artists that exist to do that for people. And if I don't fit that lane um, as an independent artist, and I feel like I have the liberty to make what I want. Okay. Um, let's talk about Gorgeous. Um, uh, featuring Tragic Hero and uh, who else is on this? I'm sorry, I'm forgetting. Um, be, be Rife. Oh. Be Rife. 
Um, and this is produced by Wit and 42 North. Um, so gorgeous. This is featured on your Bandcamp page right now. So if people go there and they they want to, you know, it, it, people want to go ahead and they want to pre-order the album. This is the song that they are sort of being presented with as an example of this album. So why why this song at this place, and why are you putting that one out there for people to hear? Sonically, I think it's a good contrast. Um, you know, to your point, some of the the dark moodiness is kind of set in. And I think, you know, the piano chords kind of lend towards this, oh, where are we going here type of thing. And the song itself is just an, it's an entire metaphor. It has direct connotations, you know, relationships and whatever you want to kind of extract from that. And then there's a larger um, picture that's being painted that fits the context of the album. But specifically, I think uh, B. Rice Hook kind of gives it that, you know, at least some hopeful vibe to the, mm. the perspective that's being communicated. It's it's like, you know, you, you don't feel utterly downcast and depressed. It's like, okay, I like that voice. That sounds pretty good. And gives a little oohs in, in between that. So it's just like, all right, so I may feel a little, I feel a little bit better now. So I feel like sonically it kind of gives the listener a break there. Yeah, I agree, Armand. Uh, for me, like, what really stuck out here, I mean, the B is really dope. Um, you know me, I'm a B guy first. I I really like the snare. The piano riff is sort of like, it, it's definitely a little 90s-ish, and it's sort of, um, Rizzo when, would talk about when he, he didn't really learn, he didn't know how to play piano, but he instead sort of played what he called like a drunken style, where it's the sort of like off-kilter, sometimes not quite coming all the way back around again on beat. Kind of feels like that a little bit, and that snare really jumps out at you, even though it is, as Taylor said, it is still sort of dark and moody, but then that hook sort of just bursts out. Um, how do you feel about this song? I want to see a video for this. Mm. I like this record a lot. Yeah, I think the hook helps this helps this song so much. And yeah. for an al- especially this album, like I, you know, if you, metaphor you started with, which was you know you're sort of climbing up the roller coaster. Like the hook is the fir- is like maybe the first time in the album where like it really like peaks out of the clouds a little bit, like in yeah. terms of um, the feel of it. Um, I think the hook is great. I love the little uh, post hook riff too. Um, yeah, I think this is a really good song. Yeah, this record's dope. Super dope. Cool. Well, I'm waiting I'm waiting for, like, I told Armand, I'm waiting for the doc treatment, man. Like, I know it's coming. I can't wait to talk about Insecure. But Oh, yeah. yeah. I'll, uh, I'll, I'll <laughs> Insecure. We hope you enjoyed Side A of this week's episode. Please check out Side B at clockradiospeakers.com.